0: and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and I'm joined on a very hot and sweaty night as always by Will Mioden. How's it going tonight, Will?
1: Really good, man. How nice is it? The weather's turned, it's light into the evening. I bloody love it.
0: Yeah, it is good. I mean, like it just, there's parts of my body that start sweating and they don't stop until like March and it's it gets at me a little bit
1: yeah i don't know i across the day i probably spend all of about 30 seconds outside of the office so i don't really get to uh enjoy it all that much but it's nice to be able to come home and still have daylight like not yeah leave in the dark and get home at the dark so
0: don't get me wrong i appreciate
1: I'm, that you can get out
0: yeah and i much prefer summer as well i'm not kind of discrediting those facts it just 37 degrees on a you know, Thursday afternoon, teaching some year nine, some games. Like I'm just like, oh, like, just get me some AC here, please. Anyway, let's move on. We've got a bit to get to tonight. We've got the Aussies in action. We've got South Pole. We've got some game previews, of course, on a bit of a down week of college football this week 10. Uh, we've got championship draft to get to, uh, bold predictions, and then we go on the punt as well with William. Maybe it's a down week in terms of viewership. Hopefully, Will can turn things around uh the bank and maybe actually bring us home a little bit of money because if you'd stuck with your 0.25% bank interest, you you would have been better off.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're not taking it away from you unless it's some dodgy <laughs> bank that's going under. Hey, it's I've certainly watched, better off. I've watched I've
0: Underbelly been. before and don't be doing any deals with like some shady, you know, dudes in Carlton or anything because you ain't getting that money back. No. Anyway.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we've been banging it. At- for a long time now just bet against me that is the return that
0: you want I mean I can just tell we're off to a flying start here the connection is crisp we are we're a little bit of a rabble (laughs) at the moment not off to our greatest start anyway let's jump I'm out of beer hey I'm out of beer that's the issue I mean I haven't had anything to drink I've not had anything to drink the English Jess is back I don't drink as much she called me fat as soon as she got off the plane (laughs) so I like that yeah you would have skinny little prick all right Before we do get into the rest of this kind of stuff, uh, just a quick bit of news. The NCAA has signed off on, and I'm, I'm careful about my wording here, but signed off on players making money from their likenesses. Now, what is a likeness? What does making money actually involve? Obviously, there is a lot of legislation, a lot of terminology that needs to be unpacked and is going to be under heavy scrutiny as this story continues to develop. But effectively, that means is that players can, or the NCAA is looking to investigate a situation whereby players in college can receive reimbursements financially, or potentially otherwise, uh, for you know uh, ads on billboards. Signage at uh, food outlets or restaurants, or as Will likes to get super excited about, uh, a likeness on a computer game uh, such as NCAA football.
1: Finally, we're here. We've got it. It, it. They've they've finally caught up with the times. There's been a lot of legislative pressure with Florida and California, uh, officially, you know, releasing bills. That uh, has been pushing for this and that's kind of kicked them into gear it's been on the cards for some time now but the ncaa are a bit of a old giant organization that kind of need to be awoken from their slumber and it looks like that's that's happened now and we're, we're finally starting to see some positive moves in this space which for me is purely about that video game
0: yeah, I mean, and and obviously you're getting all the reactions at the moment, like this is the death of college football. You're turning it into a professional market. All it's going to do is make the rich big schools bigger because they'll just be able to unload money onto recruits. Uh, you know, whether that's done... Legally or illegally, uh, you know. Th- then there's this view that the big market centres, so schools in big cities like New Yorks, like your Miamis, like your uh, Los Angeles, are gonna really see the the benefit of this because they're in a bigger market with lots more advertising, lots more companies that are willing to pay money for these players to be in advertisements and things like that. Uh, and there's this, you know, this real concern that we're going to turn it into this complete free market, similar to the NFL or any other professional sport as well. The interesting one on that, just quickly, is.
1: It's a different world now. I don't think you need to be in a New York or an LA for you to have that notoriety. And I think the NBA has has shown that with a lot of small market teams recently having star power there and, and them willing to stick around because you can be a superstar there. Everyone's got the fucking internet now. Everyone can stream anything, anywhere. And I think that that availability has kind of broken down a lot of those old stereotypes that you need to be in a big city to be marketable in that city?
0: Yeah, and that's probably a fair point. And not only that, is that these uh, smaller country colleges i suppose i say smaller country colleges but the the college town life that you get in the tuscaloosas of alabama in the baton rouges of lsu in the gainesville's of florida all these places there's still plenty of money pumping through there so let's not go too crazy and think that these guys are going to turn into millionaires overnight I am always skeptical about new things and change always brings some level of skepticism and concern about the tradition of college football. Having said that, I believe the tradition of college football has been undergoing change for a long time. The college game will adapt. It will continue on. Exactly what it's going to look like in the future is a little bit unsure. Now, the NCAA is not going to approve this as a free market straight up. That will never occur under their watch. Uh, they are still I believe they're non-for-profit I don't know if that's actually correct but I believe they're non-for-profit uh, as an organization but there's still plenty of money going through that particular uh, you know institution. And on top of that, you've got a situation where it's still not okay to pay players to come to a school. That will never be okay. It's not like your play uh, schools are going to be bidding on players up to you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's not going to be okay from a legal perspective. Whether that happens under the table or not is a different That's story. And the now. NCAA is going to try. Right, exactly. That, exactly right. That is happening right now. So, the NCAA is going to try really hard to obviously monitor this. Um, and put in place some, some things where yes, players can receive money but maybe there's a cap on it. Maybe they can only be uh, you know, in a certain amount of advertisements or signatures or give away a certain amount of clothing or earn X amount of dollars over a period of their years at school. Um, it is, of course, then taxable income. These kids are going to have to then go and pay taxes on this income, et cetera, et cetera. Now, will there still be shady deals? Probably. I think that one exciting thing is you're more likely to keep college athletes in school for longer because that is as marketable as they will ever, ever be. I think someone like a... Who's a good example? Chase McSorley maybe at Penn State. Now, he's not going to go on and have a big, illustrious, money-making, professional career. He just doesn't have the body type, shape, and NFL prospect that some of these other players will. However... In college, he was an uber, you know, he set all the records at Penn State and he was uh, the biggest name there for his four years. So there's a chance for players like them to stay longer, which is fantastic as well for the college game.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. I think there's still a, a lot of work to be done and that, and that's good. There needs to be a lot of work and thought put into this to, to find the right balance and to understand what some of these changes will mean because it, on the surface, it might look quite simple and, and straight up and down, but there are a lot of nuances and, and some of which what you've just spoken about there is going to be good and some of it not so much. So that needs to all be thought out before finalizing what the model is going to be.
0: Absolutely. And just before we do finish up on this, whatever situation or whatever rules are brought in, there will be unexpected results or consequences of those particular rules. There always, always is. um, And that is something that will just have to be overcome uh, as it happens, and this will probably not be in place for a number of years yet. We could be talking two, three, four years before it gets through all the courts anyway. Um, but there is change on the horizon, that is for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, from everything that I've read, it's looking like the the start of the 21 season is what they're shooting for. So maybe not as far as you may think.
0: Yeah, I'd be surprised if that got through because it can get held up in court in America, I believe, their legal system.
1: Yeah, but this one shouldn't be legal. If, it, if, it's, if it's an NCAA ruling, we're not talking legal. This is they're, they're the governing body and they're making a decision. It, it's not such a yeah but if if they then go judgment.
0: against yeah right, right 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 but if they then go against what the states like Florida like California like everywhere else is putting through and they're not comfortable or happy with the ruling and the decision that the NCAA makes are they is it then going to turn into a court situation whereby they say actually no this is not okay we're taking this to court the the court system and the the laws in that state have said that we can actually do this now and that is where the tie up will happen because there's going to be disagreements on both sides, obviously, about what, you know, each each party wants. Yeah. So and, yeah, and a I, I, come, yeah, a lot more a lot more to agree. come in this
1: space. That, that will certainly play out, but from an NCAA standpoint, that's easy. You guys aren't eligible to play in national championship games. You're not eligible to play in bowl games correct. whilst this is happening. And then
0: yeah, that, correct that's
1: quite the motivator.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, let's not get hung up here too long. Uh, Aussies in action. Now, we didn't hit this on Sunday night's recap, so take us through the top punters. We've got a few uh, Ray Guy Award nominations starting to come out for season 2019. I saw Lou Headley's name come up, the punter from Miami, Um, but who is leading the charge for the Aussies at this stage?
1: Yeah, so another great week uh, for the Aussies this week, and it's been a fantastic year so far. Uh, and our our top boy Max Duffy has really been knocked off his perch, and he's taken it to heart. So he's won our Player of the Week award this week. Uh, and wow!
0: Go on, Max. He,
1: he, he had a, a really good game. So he had five punts for fifty-two and a half yard average, which is exceptional. But he also had himself a twenty-six yard run. Called it, called his own number. Hey. Uh, and picked
0: up if a first down. I'm sure he didn't. That doesn't happen anymore. No, he that legit did.
1: He legit did. It, apparently, I've, I've read this, he decided like it was It was not a called cool play. He, he saw it was on, took off, and was able to pick it up. So I think <laughs> he did. How does then, that
0: go down if you d- don't make it? Well, you cop it, obviously.
1: <laughs> but I think he, he got the yardage and then spiked the ball out of bounds in celebration and got a 15-yard penalty back. But first down. <laughs> so first got down. The first down. <laughs> So, so that's that's, <laughs> that's a hilarious. critical part of that story. But yeah, no Ripper for him. So he's back into second place uh, overall, uh, and he's point one of a yard behind Braden Mann now, who's who's really rocketed back up. But his net average is far superior. So I'm I'm going to say that he's asserted himself back as the top punter in all of college football. Uh, after that, we had your boy, Louie Headley at Miami had a ripper game. Uh, he had the seven punts at an average of 45.9. So he's been really good for them actually this year. He's moved himself up into the top 20 and, uh, has been quite impressive down the stretch. I think he's going from strength to strength. We've seen this year. Uh, Trent Schneider had a busy day with seven punts, uh, at an average over 41 yards. Uh, John Haggerty at, uh, Western Kentucky only had the three punts, but an average of 48, which is really, really good. Uh, Aaron Sipos at Auburn in their uh, disappointing loss to LSU, punted the ball 10 times. So that's busy. Uh, An average of 46.2 is really good over that too, because there are a lot of times where you're going to have a shortened field. So... You're not going to get an opportunity like you're kind of restricted in how many yards you can possibly get out of that. And I don't know when
0: when Bo Nix is your quarterback, you're probably kicking on longer fields rather than shorter ones. But sure,
1: <laughs> hey, perhaps I don't know. He he was exceptional though. Forty-six point two is good. And Ben Griffiths is another one who's really coming into his own at USC. had a bit of a slow start to the season, uh, having co- come across from the Richmond Tigers, uh, but he had another four punts at an average of 46. So it looks like he's got a really, really bright future ahead of him. Uh, and, th- and those are probably our top performers across the week.
0: Yeah, and you can see that some of these guys who have got that AFL background and they're into the system for, or into Division One football punting for the first kind of, The first half of the season, it really starts to click at the back end. So good to see some of these first year uh, uh, FBS players really starting to take hold and and really get a feel for the punting game as well. All right, take us through your South Pole. Probably not too many changes, I don't think, Will, but take us through uh, any changes in your make-believe top eight.
1: No, so not not all that much has changed in my poll. And you would think that might be strange because it felt like there were upsets last week and there was a bit of carnage and there's a bit of change in the AP land. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. The sign of a good poll is a relatively steady poll because it means you're on the right track. You've called the right things early on and things aren't changing from that. If the thing's You don't constant- want your
0: polls to be quivering. That's what you don't well, want. And your if poll's it's in- not quivering. So if that's it's good. going
1: up and down and all over the shop, you want it to be... Steady and firm all the time, I think. So for mine, not a lot of change this week. Ohio State still one. Alabama still two. Clemson still three. LSU still four, representing the first at-large part. Then Penn State move up from six to five as the second at-large bid. Uh, Utah move from seven to six uh, as the Pac-12 and I will step in here and say I had swapped out Oregon to Utah and I think last week really highlighted that decision it, or justified that decision is, is probably a better word there. because You
0: bloody pump in your own bloody drum. I know you don't pump a drum, but your pole is pumping and you're – banging your own drum, I think is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yes, and I, I think sometimes you need to do that when you make a right call because it doesn't happen on the punt, so if it's going to happen on the poll, then I need to talk myself up about it. So They yep. look really good, and I still think they're the best team in the Pac-12. Oklahoma have slid down to seven, so bit of a Bit of a controversy, I suppose, with Baylor still being undefeated in the Big 12. But for mine, Oklahoma are still the much better football team. And even though they had that tight loss, their overall slate and how impressive they've been in the other matches has me ahead of Baylor. Uh, And then I have SMU still in at eight, which is great.
0: This is where I've got an issue with the South Pole. SMU is making up numbers there, and you're admitting it because you've got some, you've got a one-loss team well ahead of them. You're not even really considering SMU, and you're saying that yes, they are better than the next best team, whether that is Florida, I, who's I, ranked at number six in the AP poll, whether that's Georgia, uh, whether that's Auburn, whoever it might be. If if
1: I didn't have a group of five set nomination and I had to pick uh, an at-large bid, I would have Georgia, but only slightly ahead of them at the moment. Only slightly. It's like neck and neck. So my first one out is Georgia, but I've got the two of those like right next to each other. Then I've got Cincinnati. Then I've got Auburn and Wisconsin.
0: Wow. So teams like... Uh, well, Minnesota, 8-0. We know you don't rate them. A 6-2 and Michigan team at 14. You've got... Okay, we won't dive into it. We won't go down that rabbit hole right now. But, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see how this week plays out and as we continue to move through this slate of conference games and, and see where teams end up and how this all shakes out because I still think there's a big hole there as SMU takes on Memphis this week. Speaking of which, let's jump straight into game previews. Like we've said, a bit of a down week, but potentially a chance for a few big games and, and for some teams to get a bit shook. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but uh, maybe so. So Friday morning, we start with Baylor and West Virginia. This game's in Waco. West Virginia's lone Big 12 win is against Kansas, but coming off a buy, I don't see any reason why Matt Rule won't have Charlie Brewer and the Bears firing.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think this is a, a bit of a dangerous one because the Big 12 is good. They, they should win this one comfortably, but th- that's, I guess, what has me nervous in this one. Because as you said, it's, it's a bit of a dead slate this week. And you think, you know, outside of a couple of games, it's all pretty straight up and down and you're not going to have much of a surprise. But whenever I've had that previously, I've been surprised. And, and this is one of those ones that could come out and shock you. I don't expect it to. I think Baylor are a much better football team. They're playing at home. There's, there's nothing that really jumps out to me as to why they would drop this, apart from the fact that there's a surprise coming somewhere lurking.
0: Uh, Yeah, and it it possibly will. Like I was having a look through, even the ranked teams playing, and I think there's 14 matches involving ranked teams. Some of those ranked teams, I know that we've got two ranked matchups as well, but of those ranked teams playing a non-ranked team, someone is probably going to lose. That just happens. So uh, I don't know who it might be. In fact, some teams are even going in as a high-ranked team as an underdog. So that's an interesting one as well. Uh, But speaking of ranked teams, number 20, App State. Uh, get a visit from Georgia Southern and their triple option attack. So hopefully App State can weather the storm there on the ground and put up enough points in a reduced possession game as it always is against a heavy running team. All right, Sunday's game. There is nothing in the early slate to get excited about. So if you've got any thoughts of getting up early on a Sunday, don't bother. We've got number 14, Michigan, heading to Maryland to take on a flailing Terps team. Uh, but this is a Michigan team that perhaps is hitting their stride a little bit this morning, uh, this morning, at Mm. the moment. Uh, I don't know why I said this morning. Apparently, I'm (laughs) out of sleep. I don't know. Um, Number 23, Wake, get a visit from NC State. Uh, They're going to struggle to maintain the offense to keep pace with the Deeks. I think they're the Wolfpack. Nebraska take on Purdue. BC head to the Carrier Dome to take on Syracuse. Is there anything in those four games that is worth addressing Will?
1: No, not really. I, I think you're right. There's, there's certainly, if, if there's a weekend that you're looking to head out with the boys or the girls or whoever it is that you head out with, this is probably one that I'd, I'd recommend. I mean, that early slate, certainly, I'm I'm going to enjoy my sleep until 6am this this Sunday morning.
0: That is for sure. And with that 6am, and I will say uh, good morning to everyone in advance. Uh number eight Georgia head to Gainesville to do battle with number six Florida in a game that will probably decide the SEC East for this particular season Georgia open as six and a half point favorites on the road which is an interesting one unless I have found some numbers made up here Will but you've got number eight team on the road Uh, you've got a high-ranked team at home as an underdog which is a really interesting situation
1: Yeah, because the punters know what I know in that Georgia is a better team. I don't know why the AP pollsters have got this hard on for Florida. And I know I've been quite disrespectful of Florida all year and and they've kind of uh, outperformed my expectations, but Georgia are a better football team. I think this one will be close. I I, I think the six and a half is probably a bit more. If I had to lean, I would take the points there, but I think Georgia will win. I think it's a one-score game. But I think Georgia are on the right side of that. And that's on the road in a hostile environment that we've seen out at Gainesville there. So, I yeah, I, I have Georgia as a better team. It's just that this is a, a tough spot to be in and, and you're battling it out for the top of the SEC East.
0: Yeah, I think we're underselling this game a little bit. You're not bringing a whole lot of excitement. You've got the number eight team in the country. you got the number six team in the country in one of the biggest games of the year up to date. You're just going through the motions here, mate. You've got to bring a little bit more energy. This is one that people should be getting excited about, particularly if you like defense. Uh, I think that there's kind of going to be obviously two battles obviously going on with you know both sides playing those. But I do get the line, like you said. I think Florida have struggled to run the ball consistently and they rank 91st in rushing at the moment. Georgia's defense, as usual, is really good and particularly stout against the run. This puts the ball in the hands of Kyle Trask and and he's been a better, far faster decision maker than Felipe Franks was. He was that single read, blast the ball downfield or tuck it and run. Kyle Trask will get to his second and third read, generally speaking, but he's also susceptible to some just absolute brain farts where he just puts the ball in harm's way and that's going to be dangerous against a, a Georgia defense that will make the most of those opportunities, I believe. On the other side of the ball, you've got Georgia's possession-orientated rushing attack and they'll attempt to wear down a defense that prefers to rush the passer than stop the run. That, that Florida defense really with uh, Grenard and uh, Zuniga and those boys really want to get after it from a pass rushing perspective, but don't won't like being run at all game. Uh, I think the big out though is Lawrence Cager. For the dogs is likely to miss the game, and that's going to put a little bit of pressure on Jake from to be the man. And this is my key takeaway: give me something, Jake from. Show me something. Today is your chance. Today is the chance for you to actually go out there and and you know show the naysayers that you can actually play this game at a high level. You can go and beat a really good defense, a defense that is. Up there in the top five in the country in turnovers, and you can lead an attack and lead an offense to a win in a massive game. I want to see something from him, and hopefully I do on the weekend. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's kind of what we're waiting for. People talk about Jake Fromm as the the man, he's a first round quarterback potentially. You hear touted about, he's always in that conversation as, you know, around the best player. Maybe not that top echelon, but he's certainly that next rung down. But then you look at his performances, and he does what's asked of him, and not really much more than that. And he does that really well, and and that's kind of what he needs to do, and that's why they win a lot of games. But you're right; he he hasn't, we haven't seen him take that stranglehold of a game and, and show that he is that man that you want to see from a quarterback. That, that's that's what's needed to succeed. Sometimes you want to be able to play within your team and, and do your role but sometimes you need to elevate your team it needs to be on you to do it so I'd love to see it this week as well I'm, I'm right there with you that would be a great result I, I just don't think this will be the spot that a smart coach would ask it to happen I think they're going to lean on that run game they're going to let DeAndre Swift carry the ball 30 times and and back themselves in with their offensive line to move the ball forward Five yards uh, at a time, and and get it done that way,
0: and that's fine. But when Jake Fromm throws his sixteen passes for the game, if that's all he's going to get, I want to make sure that he is on point with those. Like he needs to go—I don't know, you know, thirteen of sixteen or twelve of sixteen, probably thirteen or fourteen of sixteen. Go and make a big play one on one, and and go and lead your team to victory. And that's what I want to see from him. Otherwise, I am going to be off him in a heartbeat. Anyway. And, and that's forever as well, Jake. So, listen up, brother. All right. Ooh, Another,
1: who, who, are picking, who are you picking in this one?
0: Uh, who am I picking? I am going to take Georgia, I think. I don't think Jake Frum will have it all his own way, but I think they'll be able to wear down that Florida defense. I think Kyle Trask will put the ball in harm's way a little bit. But it's not going to be an easy win. It'll be a big win for them in terms of Georgia or either team, really. But Georgia, certainly to go to Gainesville – and go and beat that team. That is not easy. I do think that Georgia can wear them down with that massive offensive line, though, and that'll be where the game is won. Okay. You?
1: Yeah, I'm very similar vein. Georgia by three points.
0: Okay, so you're taking uh, Florida to cover in that one. All right. Other games on at that particular time, we've got Virginia Tech facing off against Notre Dame. These are two teams that have probably had a disappointing season by their own admission. Kansas take on K-State. And I'm taking the Jayhawks again here with a letdown for the Wildcats after beating Oklahoma last week. Miami take on Florida State in Tallahassee. TCU visit Oklahoma State with both teams coming off of relatively big wins last week. Anything to like about those four games, Will?
1: Yeah, interesting that you're on Kansas. Uh, I, I think there's more chance of a letdown for Kansas than there is Kansas State, even though Kansas State had the win and Kansas had the loss. I think... Kansas's loss will be more disappointing, more draining, and have more of an effect on the psyche of that football team. Where Kansas State can take a whole heap of confidence out of winning a game that they I don't know, I guess probably should have, but then quite easily could have had taken away from them at the end of that one there. So I think they go in with all the momentum and they haven't lost to Kansas since 2008. I I don't see that changing, even though this is better than Kansas have been since probably 2008. I don't see this being the week for that.
0: So you don't think Kansas's amazing win over Texas Tech last week will have any bearing on their uh, way to win this week against the Wildcats?
1: Uh, no, nah, I, th- I think I think they're the ones due for a, a bit of a letdown.
0: Okay, whatever. Okay, so what about the TCU-Oklahoma State matchup? Obviously, TCU uh, had a, a big upset win, really, and uh, Oklahoma State getting over the top of Iowa State last week. I mean, to me, it kind of seems like the team that can sort of settle the the fastest and and the quickest, uh, Oklahoma State haven't played real well in Stillwater this year. Uh, hopefully that they can get that pass game going and and really torch that TCU defense early.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, there's two teams that seem to be rounding into a bit of form uh, after their last matches, but both somewhat inconsistent on the year. The fact that. Oklahoma State were able to get over the top of Kansas State quite comfortably, whereas TCU uh, dropped to them just the week before last, has me leaning Oklahoma State in this one. But that's a a young quarterback who has a habit of turning the ball over. If that continues against what is always a very difficult Gary Patterson defense, don't be surprised if TCU uh, up or getting ahead and then putting a whole heap of pressure when the ball's in Spencer Sanders' hands rather than Chuba Hubbard's hands because if that team's ahead and they can lean on the run, they're going to be in a much better position than if they're behind and, and needing some playmaking and smart decision-making at the quarterback position.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the Horn Frogs have got some really good skill position players. Obviously, Jalen Rager we've talked about. He's been a little bit down this year. Hasn't put up real gaudy stats by any means. Um, But Darius Anderson at the running back position has been fantastic. And Max Duggan has been a bit of a surprise at quarterback as well for TCU. All right. Uh, staying in that kind of early little time slot. We've got number nine, Utah, heading up to Husky Stadium to take on Washington. Utah go in as favorites, but I'm taking Washington to win this one. I've been impressed with Jacob Eason recently. Uh, We wanted to see more out of him and his giant pro-style six-foot-six prototypical uh, NFL quarterback body, and he has seemingly come on a little bit Utah are great on defense, and Zach Moss is obviously a fantastic running back, but I think they're a little bit predictable. I think Washington State's defense is good, um, and Washington's offense is going to have opportunities to move the ball more consistently both through the air and on the ground. I think Utah's a little bit one-dimensional. Having said that, they know they're one-dimensional, and they come out one-dimensional, and that's what they do, and they do it very well. Uh, I just think Washington at home aren't going to – they're not going to lose to Oregon and then Utah at home in the same season. I just don't see that happening this year.
1: Yeah, I see. I disagree with you strongly in this one. I have Utah winning this one and winning it quite comfortably. What you didn't mention at all uh in, in your little rap there was Tyler Huntley, the the quarterback at Utah, and I think that's probably gonna pull up little, on that. Well, it's a little bit disrespectful because to this point in the year he's rated as the most efficient quarterback in all of college football. So the the numbers that he's put up, whilst aren't spect- spectacular, he is been really, really good with what's being asked of him. And I think that's a, a really important point in this one because, yes, they have Zach Moss. They, they know what they're about. They have an identity of playing good football and running the ball well. But what makes that all work and what pulls that all together is having Tyler Huntley, who is a bit of a dual threat, is a threat running the ball himself, but then is hitting at an incredible rate at the moment, not turning the ball over, making the right decisions, I think he is going to have a very good day. And this Washington team is down on the teams that we've seen over the past couple of years, where on the other side of it, this Utah team is better than we've seen out of Utah for as long as I can remember. So I expect them to continue to roll and and not be tripped up in what is a tough road match out at uh, Washington. Where's their little hometown?
0: Mate, you are asking the wrong person. Seattle? Seattle? They play out of Seattle. Seattle? Yeah. Yeah, Come on, dude. We know this. We know things. All right. Um, Moving on. Uh, I'm still taking Washington that one. Uh, In the SEC, Mississippi State and Arkansas square off Pitt and Georgia Tech in the ACC, and then another Pac-12 matchup in Oregon State and Arizona. None of those are really probably worth watching. I don't know. Maybe if you're an Oregon State fan, you're like, hey, we can get to six wins and get to a bowl game. They probably need to win this one against Arizona. Apart from that, I don't really see anything too exciting in those three matchups either.
1: No, nothing doing for me there either.
0: All right, in the 10 o'clock time slot, we have got number 24 Memphis getting a visit from number 15 SMU. This one's in the Liberty Bowl, a nice little stadium that we visited after dark one night, which sounds creepy, slightly homoerotic, but it certainly was neither of those two things. Shane Buchel has been phenomenal for the Mustangs, leading the number 15 passing attack in the country, but they do go in as underdogs. Uh, And I don't know how I really feel about this one. I mean, when you simply compare like opponents, both struggled with Tulsa. Memphis lost to Temple while SMU did handle them comfortably. What did this tell us? I've got absolutely no idea. I'm going to take the Mustangs and I'll go into a little bit more about them and their offense in a second. But what are your thoughts on Memphis and SMU?
1: Yeah, I was surprised that the line was as much as it is at, at six points with Memphis being favorite. I figured it was going to be a close game and I had this as more of a pick because SMU have been more impressive on the year so far, but it is played uh, in Memphis and that's going to certainly swing things the Tigers way. I am kind of a bit on the fence in this one. Like I, I feel like I really want SMU to win, but something's nagging at me, telling me this is a spot for the Tigers. This is a team that has been good for a number of years now and they know what these sort of matchups are about. They're accustomed to playing at the top of their conference and battling it out for a spot to be able to go to their conference championship game. SMU, that's not the case. This is all foreign territory for most of these guys and that has me a little nervous.
0: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, but... Do you think Memphis would be favourites if Tol if they lost last week, if Tulsa the Tulsa kicker from twenty nine yards makes that field goal, you know Memphis aren't ranked then and they've got a loss next to their name against a, an okay Tulsa team, uh, you know. the SMU then go in favourites?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a very good point, probably. But then what happens if Houston had have got over the top of SMU on the other side of that?
0: Ah, but they didn't, my friend. They didn't. (laughs) Um, The other thing I will uh, mention is that SMU have done a really good job of defending the run this year. They're only conceding 3.4 yards per tote, which is good for 24th in the country. And I think Memphis are going to want to control the ball a little bit more. I don't think they want to get into a full-on shootout with SMU. I think that's living dangerously with how well they move the ball through the air. If Kenneth Gainwell, good running back name, can consistently move the ball effectively on the ground for the Tigers. I think they can win this one, but I'm going to take SMU uh, outright. I think that they will get over the top of Memphis uh, in what will be, what will threaten to be a blowout, but won't be in the end. It's a little bit like the, uh, sorry, threaten to be a shootout, but won't be. Uh, a little bit like the Oregon Washington State game. Could see it being like 14 all at half and then it kind of, turns into like a 35-30 or something like that um, to finish. But, yeah, I think that SMU are going to win this one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I am in a grants, uh, not with a whole heap of confidence, but I think that they will win. And those points there, I mean, that, that would give you nice juicy odds. So depending on how things go in the earlier slate, if uh, I've got a little bit of money to play around with, I might even – Throw Don't. some at that That's one
0: That's a as lie. Well. That is a lie. That is 100% a lie.
1: No, uh, yeah. Well, also- it, it'll depend. It'll depend on how the earlier games go. If, if they earn me a little bit, then we're good. But the most likely scenario here is <laughs> I'm sitting back watching without any financial stake in this game.
0: Um, The the other nice little addition to this is that game day heads to Memphis as well for this one. So that'll be a good get for them. I assume they will do that on campus uh, rather than outside the Liberty Bowl. So that's a good get for the fans of Memphis uh, to, to get that one coming to town. Certainly. All right. Number seven, Oregon head to the Coliseum to face USC. Uh wow, I don't I'm up and down all over the place about this one, I think. Oregon's defense has struggled in back-to-back weeks and there's a chance they're just not as good as we thought. Can USC take advantage of this or will their injuries get the better of them?
1: I think Oregon uh in a better position than Utah were when they came to town. Uh, I I had a really bad feeling about that one and it didn't turn out so well for them. Where this one, I have a lot more confidence that Oregon are going to go into a hostile confines and walk away with a win. Uh, Whilst their defense has been down, I still have a fair amount of faith in that and I think it'll stack up well with, as you mentioned, the somewhat depleted USC side. Uh, And then offensively, things are starting to click for them. They're they're consistently putting up points, and I expect that to continue the case against a so-so USC defense.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, obviously, USC's defense is also depleted in the back end along the defensive line. They cannot afford to lose anyone there. Uh, But it's been interesting watching the Trojans turn to that real spread out. Uh, passing offense to keep pace, which has been really, really good to watch. And if they stick with that full-time next year, they look a far more threatening team doing that than running this pro-style kind of... uh, offense with lots of uh you know 21 personnel or you know going that single back but certainly tight ends and and all that in the game so i think that's the way that they should go and especially with that air raid background that uh offensive coordinator graham harris got they need to stick with that i think it's actually going to be the team that takes their opportunities early in the game that is going to win this one the team that doesn't have to press as much will come out on top if you put Keaton Slovis in a position where he's going to have to make play after play after play for two quarters or, you know, one and a half quarters, I don't think that ends very well for USC. Uh I do think though that USC will be geared up for this one, which is probably, you know, an obvious statement. But yeah, they beat Utah in a game that I think they probably should have lost. I think Utah actually controlled that game. They got handled by Washington, handled by Notre Dame. Clay Helton, I think, needs a bit of a high-profile win. I think a number seven Oregon win looks better than the Utah win. And if he if he wins this, he can get USC moving towards a Pac-12 championship game. Uh, but I'm taking the Ducks. The last question I have for you on this one is, what does Oregon want in terms of making the playoff? Do they want USC to then go and, you know, you know Oregon to win this one, USC to then go and run the table and these two play again in the Pac-12 championship game? Or do you think Oregon would like another chance against Utah? How? Do, what's the best situation for Oregon to get into the playoff at the end of the year? I
1: think it's that uh, one against Utah. They, they want Utah to continue winning. They want themselves to obviously continue winning and then they want those two teams to be top 10 teams playing off. Uh later on in, in the year, and then that should hopefully be enough, depending on how things play out, to, to give them the best shot at getting a spot in the playoff.
0: Okay. I still think they're on the outside looking in, but, um, yeah, certainly – Oregon fans will be hoping that they can continue to roll through their Pac 12 slate. The other game's on in the kind of later morning. We've got Colorado and UCLA who are starting to play some okay football, and Fresno State and Australia's team, Hawaii, kick things off as well, deep into the early afternoon, actually. So uh, that one is played out at, at Aloha Stadium, I believe. Um, So, get around the Rainbow Warriors for a 2.30 in the afternoon kickoff, which is late here. Sorry? 2.29. 229. (laughs) All right, mate. Thanks for that. I don't know why they do that. Why do they do that? Do you know?
1: I don't know. We need to look into that.
0: Yeah, they always kick off one minute before the hour or half hour. I'm not exactly sure why that is. All right. Let's jump into the championship draft for this particular week. Take us through the current standings, current situation, Will.
1: Okay, so championship draft, uh, we're really starting to get to a point where we've selected a lot of the teams. And you kind of mentioned this later on, and this is a bit of a work in progress uh, as things go along here. But we have both been selecting teams as we go. My squad has accumulated to be Georgia, Washington, USC, Ohio State, Utah, Michigan State, Texas, Auburn, Boise State, and Cincinnati. Whilst yours is Michigan, Oregon, Miami, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Louisiana State, Arizona State. (laughs) Jesus, a lot of states, mate. And Baylor.
0: Jeez, do I need Arizona State to win again?
1: (laughs) So the uh, whole concept here was that we're trying to back the winner of the national championship uh, and then also at the same time we're looking to have the most overall points based off of where they finish uh, in the AP poll. Obviously, the higher you finish, the the more points you earn. So things are not looking great for me still. Uh, you had a, a nice little injection last week with Baylor. So if we add up all your points at the moment, you're on 115, which is a fucking lot. Um, <laughs> I, I am back on 87. Oh, wow. Not nearly as many. Uh, <laughs> so... In terms of the overall thing, you like I've got Ohio State as my most likely, I would say, and then Georgia, Utah as potentials, perhaps, yeah. where you, you have yourself, LSU, who are one at the moment. You've got uh, Penn State who are right up there. You've got Oregon who are certainly in the conversation, Oklahoma who had that loss but are still around the mark, and then Baylor if they can keep going in there too so just feels like you've got a few more options and you're ahead in both at the moment but uh, uh, yeah I don't know Ohio State's still my one team so I'm kind of hanging all my hope on them at the minute
0: (laughs) Now you probably noticed that Alabama and Clemson's names were not uh, aligned or assigned to any particular team, That they're the people's teams they were the preseason teams ranked 1 and 2, currently sitting at 2 and 4 at the moment in the AP poll so um, the people's teams have probably slid a fraction to where we thought. We thought we were just marching towards an Alabama Clemson uh, you know, playoff again or playoff situation. But it appears that, you know, things have been shaken up a fraction and we hope that, that it stays that way for the remainder of the season. Uh, so now-
1: if I, I put it to you now, if you could swap your entire listing for those two, just looking at the national champion. Would you wow. rather your your whole squad or those two guys?
0: I would take those two guys because I think Alabama is the best team in the country. Okay. Uh, I, I, think the last, I would take
1: those two as well.
0: I think the last two, t- and the uh, to me the real threats, yes, are high state and LSU, obviously, but. Uh, I think LSU have failed to score a touchdown against Alabama in like the last three times they've played them or some ridiculous stat like that. There's been a lot of quarters where LSU hasn't been able to score a touchdown. I think that'll change this year, but uh, I think Alabama's probably the better team. Ohio State's the one that worries me because I think they probably roll through the Big Ten at this stage and uh, I think they could go and and win it. Clemson, I've got my doubts, uh, but they may you know turn it on in the last kind of few weeks or when they get to the semi-final they'll just turn it on and wipe the floor which is what they've done in the previous few years let's not get hung up here too long there is only one team pick in the top 10 left to pick it is your pick first now the reason we're picking the top 10 is Hawaii put up their 45 points on the weekend which means we are picking inside the top 10 there's only one team in there which is Florida so I assume you're taking them
1: yeah i mean i'll I'll grab them which essentially seals their fate gives them a kiss of death and they're gonna lose and plummet this week but i will uh, add them for now and then obviously where wherever they land up after after that loss
0: well georgia will jump up though if that makes you feel any better Uh, Well, that means I've got to then sink down into one of the lower tiers to pull a team. And I'm going to take the number 15 team in the country, which at this stage is SMU. Hopefully, they can roll through the American and, uh, you know, maybe stick around in the rankings. But I'm not feeling particularly confident about their ability to stay over the course of the entire season. But we'll see how that one plays out. Now, it adds adds a real uh like good
1: news element to your group too you know like something to root for
0: mate i'm in here to fucking win all right i'm not interested in rooting (laughs) for smu and their token not interested in rooting that is the first i've heard from that from you (laughs) for a while (laughs) i'm not (laughs) i'm not interested in this bloody handout to a group of five teams to get them in the top eight etc etc but I'll look after SMU for a couple of weeks now we have also talked about well if we're picking again in the top 10 next week maybe we just turf a team uh, and we've actually got to dump teams that we don't want uh, and you know we'll we'll see how this plays out we're kind of building the plane as we're flying it here a little bit so uh, we'll see how we go Oh, God, I'm, I'm sweating. This heat is getting at me. Let's move on to bold predictions. What is yours for week 10, Will? So
1: mine this week, uh, I'm saying that you're going to lose some time. So this week we have uh, four undefeated teams playing, which, what have we got, nine undefeated teams left and only four of them are playing, which kind of talks to what we've got going on this week in in terms of the quality of matchups. But uh, of those four, I'm saying that half of them are going to lose. Whoa. Uh, And you got to kind of hear me out because they are fairly – so one is an underdog, SMU but by by no means is that a given, but I really need to rely on them to lose that, which I don't think will happen. <laughs> but the others are Baylor and West Virginia. I kind of need uh, an upset there, and I think the points, uh, it's over 18-point underdog there. Or Georgia Southern to pull a big upset over Appalachian State because yep. it certainly ain't happening with... Clemson coming up against the powerhouse that is house. Or or? No, yeah. I think someone something not good. Watford College here in Adelaide. Yeah. Watford yeah, Girls yeah. is it? No, so, that's yeah, Walford, I
0: Walford, but yeah. Whatever. Whatever.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm saying Push on that, mate. Yeah. We're gonna have Baylor, Appalachian State, and SMU, two of those three will go down.
0: Okay, I'm going to say coming up big and coming up small is, I'm kind of going this like opposite themed thing with my bold predictions. I'm going to say Jake from leads a fourth quarter drive to win the game for the Georgia Dogs. And I'm going to say in terms of coming up small, Michael Pittman Jr., the wide receiver from USC, is held to less than 25 yards, something that hasn't happened this season. So coming up big, coming up small for me.
1: I like that, mate. That's good.
0: All right. Uh, let's go on the punt and get this excruciatingly slow episode finished. Please, Will. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Okay. Money. Yep. No, you're
1: right. Let's put this one in the books. Uh, I think the, the weather's getting to us a little bit. The whole lack of our goals really obviously got us off our game. But I'm going to finish <laughs> it off with a bang. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some picks out there and maybe – I think normally we put out such a good product that this week, it's opposite week. You know, we, we don't have a great slate of games. So that's disappointing. We haven't had the best of shows. Also disappointing. But that also means we're going to make a shit ton of money on the punt. Okay. Take us through it. So my first one uh, is the Kansas-Kansas State game. I know you're big on Kansas, but I'm taking Kansas State minus five. Uh, I think they'll win this game. They are the better football team. I think Les Miles is doing great things at Kansas, but I still believe that the Jayhawks are really underdogs for a reason. And they're 5-18 and 18 in their last 23 games following a win. They don't win very often, so I imagine that stat is going back a ways, but they, they kind of get a little bit ahead of themselves. I think they celebrate pretty fucking hard too, and it's, yep. it's one of those ones where you're still feeling it the week after. So I have the Wildcats who are looking decent. A uh, big, big win over Oklahoma, so I've, I'm taking them minus five. Next one for me is Arizona over Oregon State, so they're minus five and a half at home. Wow. I mean, it's another one, right? Like, the Beavers, yeah, they're better this year, but they're still not great. One and seven against the spread <laughs> in their last eight games in November, where the Wildcats tend to play a little bit better against the poorer teams. They're six, one and one in uh, against the spread against teams with a losing record. So, Arizona are a bit all over the shop and you know they they have shown that they can be a good football team, but they've also shown that they can be pretty poor. I think this is the week at home against a, a poorer side that they're able to stand up and, and cover that one quite comfortably. My last one Okay. I'm not sold last on that one either, but is uh Utah. So another oh, another Jesus. one. Three oh, and Jesus. a half point favourites. They're going large. They're much better than Washington. They'll win this one. So I've just realized I've gone three favorites this week, which is a bit gross. Uh, Utah on the road over Washington. So we're going them. So three units on each of those and one on all three multi-together.
0: And I'm going to actually take everything the opposite on that. I'm going to take Kansas. I'm taking Oregon State uh, against uh, what I think is a pretty bad Arizona team. And I'm gonna take the Huskies to uh, get over the top of who are they playing? Can't even remember anymore. That's how well this fucking episode's going. Uh, U- over Utah, the number nine team in the country. That's how well we're going. So thank fuck this episode is over. Uh, that does bring us to the end. As always, please do hit us up on Twitter and on Instagram at CFBDownUnder. Make sure you do subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about us. Tell them not to listen to this episode, uh, but make sure otherwise that you do do that. Uh, enjoy your week 10 of college football. Enjoy your in- the entirety of your weekend, whether you are rain, hail or extreme sunshine and on behalf of that guy over in the adelaide hills on behalf of myself down here on the plains my name's aaron that is will and we will see you for a much better show next time